Imagine you're at a casino, or more accurately, lost in one. It's a nice establishment, meaning it doesn't smell of cigarettes and dead skin from customers who've lived there since 2006. Slot machines are burring, chips are flying everywhere, cards flop down at Olympic speeds. Some people are smiling, laughing, having a joyous time. Others stare glassy-eyed into the nothingness that is now their retirement savings. All the way at the back, up on a dais behind bulletproof glass, are the high rollers. People who win and lose millions, like you and I pick up quarters off the street. It's a lively place. Now I want you to imagine a casino where you always win. You hear that? It's a jackhammer. They're tearing the place down because it went out of business. They had to file for bankruptcy, you know. I doubt the owner will ever financially recover from this one. He's had some failures in the past with an airline business. If I were him, I'd definitely try to go after his own signature line of stakes, maybe university as well. I hear those are, you know, pretty good tax advantages. Hello, my name is Ari Kagan, and on this episode of Things You Don't Need to Know, we will be learning how to beat the house, the ins and outs of being a professional gambler, and how to not lose any digits over your career. Something you've probably heard a thousand times is that the house always wins. And it's true. Casinos are businesses that are designed to make money. It's designed purposely to be a maze with lots of different sections, not letting the customers know what time it is or how long they've been there. Uh, They'll also use free drinks, which can be a great enticement for people to come into the casinos, but also ends up profiting for the casinos even more. That was my friend Robert. He studies hospitality at the University of Toronto. There are a bunch of other features that casinos typically employ. Such as lack of windows, offering free rooms, and placing bathrooms deep within the labyrinth. Studies have also shown that people are more likely to gamble with chips than real money. Basically, a casino's business model is to keep you in the building as long as possible. It's a business of percentages. Each game is slightly rigged in favor of the casino, and the longer you play, the more it will average out that way. So if you're going in with the intention of beating the house, you have to know which games actually give you a chance. Slot machines are terrible. The casino has a 15% advantage, but not as bad as Kino, which is a whopping 25%. Slightly better is Roulette at 5.26 and Craps at 1.41. Blackjack is about the same at a 1.5% advantage to the house. However, if you're able to use basic strategy, you can cut that down to 0.5. Poker gives you by far the best advantage, but in the long run, it's a skill game and the casino only takes a cut of the pot or makes you pay by the hour. So for the sake of actually beating the house, it doesn't really apply. The interesting distinction about blackjack is that if you're able to count cards, your advantage can go up to almost 1%. Card counting is a strategy that we'll learn a little bit more about later. A common misconception is that it's illegal. It's actually not. It's not illegal in any way. It's something that can be done entirely in your own head, and there's quite literally no way to prove you're actually doing it. It's pretty easy to suspect someone's doing it, and casinos hate it because it turns the advantage over to the player and they end up losing money. But nowhere is counting cards against the law. My name is John Ungar. I've known Ari since he was born. Old friend of his father. And I think we're here today to talk about gambling. John was a professional gambler in the 80s, but before that, he played cards in high school with my dad. I'm David Kagan. No relation. Anyway. (laughs) So you used to play with John, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Do you think he could have beaten you 
any any day of the week? Do you think you could have just swept the whole table? Well, pretty much. You know, we, we were both pretty successful. With, you know, when we were playing in high school, we won. That's right. Back in the 70s, after school, kids would get together and gamble. John would later go on to attend Princeton University. Another friend of mine got me to learn how to count cards at Blackjack. That just really, uh, really clicked for me. We'd go down to Atlantic City and I taught some of my friends how to play. And I liked the competition, the thrill. And there was a little bit of a uh, kind of a David and Goliath thing to, to, be, to be trying to, you know, to be a college uh, kid beating a casino. After graduating with an engineering degree, he decided to drop everything and move to Las Vegas to pursue being a professional gambler. If I uh, decided to go to Vegas and start gambling, what would you think of that? I'd say that's your choice. You gotta give an answer that's like more like a normal parent. I mean, it, going to uh, Las Vegas where everybody does whatever they want and you're 19, don't you think there's better things you could you do know, in your life? You know, what about college? Have you thought about I that? I mean, you could go to college. How did your mother feel about that? Yeah, she was horrified. I think that's the right word. <laughs> so John makes it out to Las Vegas, and my impression is that he's loving it. I met a bunch of people that were doing this as well, and it was a comfortable lifestyle, and I, you know, there was this, a little bit of this us against them thing going on, and I thought it might be for a year, but that, that ended up being uh, six years. But we're getting a little ahead of ourselves. How difficult is it to count cards? You know, it's it took some doing, but it wasn't that hard. I probably spent maybe 30, 40 hours uh, learning the strategies. I think a lot of people can do it. Uh, it might take some people more or less time. I mean, I think I was probably well suited to it. The first step to counting cards is playing perfect basic strategy. The best way to describe it is a times table of what to do when certain cards are on the table. It's nearly impossible to describe without showing you, so if you're serious about counting cards, learn basic strategy first. We're now gonna be joined by my friend Max, who I'm gonna teach to count cards. But first, a word from our sponsors. Hey, we're doing a podcast. Where are my headphones, huh? I gotta know how I sound. Hey, guy. Whoa. Whoa, that's nice. I like that. I really like that. Say something, Ari. Something, Ari. Oh, that was good. All right, cool. Are you familiar with Blackjack? Is, is Blackjack the one where you have to get 21? Yes. Yes. Okay. To successfully count cards, each time a new card is laid out on the table, you have to remember it, but you're not remembering the specific card. You're remembering a number that's associated with the card, okay? Okay. So two, three, four, five, and six are all plus one, okay? Okay. Because every time one of those leaves the deck, it's better for you because those low cards are good for the house, right? They're good okay. for the dealer. 10, jack, queen, king, ace, those are all minus one okay. because they're good for you and every time they leave the deck, you know, it's it's worse. Seven, eight, nine are nothing because they're not good for anyone. Zero. So then there's, there's two things you have to keep in mind. Every time a new card hits the table, you remember that card and you add it to your running count. Then you're gonna divide that number by the amount of decks to the nearest half deck left in the pile. So at a casino, they usually have six decks. And if you've gone through like three and a half, you're gonna say three and a half. Exactly. So let's say you have a running count of plus seven. You would divide that running count by three and a half to get a true count of two. All you have to keep track of is your running count and your true count. And then, of course, you have to keep in mind basic blackjack strategy as well. So basically, the higher your true count is, the more you'd bet. 
You do understand you're gonna be banned from every casino in the tri-state area after this. <laughs> uh, so, are you, do you wanna play around? Yeah, sure. Can we try to count some cards? So I pull out some cards, shuffle a deck, and we begin. So right now you have a king and an eight, so you're at 18. Yeah, no, right? I know, I know how to play blackjack, I'm good. I have a four. I would not like so to So right now, what's the run, what's your count? What is your count right now? Oh, that's right, we're counting cards, all right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm a negative one. You're at zero. Why? Because the eight is a nothing. Yeah, I know. So right and, now there's but a But this four, is a negative one. But there's a four here. Oh, I count yours? I don't yeah, just count, count mine. Yeah, you count all the cards. Oh, all? Okay, yeah. okay. So I'm at zero. Yeah. yeah, you're at zero. All right, so we messed up on the first attempt, but I'm sure after like 40 or 50 hours of doing this, we'd have it pretty down. When I think of counting cards, like I think a lot of people think of it as some ridiculous, like yeah. mystical thing yeah. that so you need simple. to be a top that. mathematician to know. But the truth is, it's kind of just like, just a little more advanced strategy. I know my producer, Harry Nelson, brought up the fact that how, it's us answering the question, how moral is counting cards? Like, is it an immoral thing? And I don't think so. I think you just you're just better at the game. I don't think so. You know? Playing blackjack and counting cards is kind of like playing Monopoly without knowing you can upgrade your houses to hotels. If you count cards in person, like in a casino, it shows a lot of who you are. It shows a lot of how you've gotten to where you are. You know, person who doesn't count cards, nine to five all the time. Person who does count cards, they're a little farther ahead in life, you know? Thank you, Max. That was uh that was truly inspiring. So knowing how to count cards is great, but it's nowhere near the full picture. The actual mechanics of, of counting cards at blackjack are not that complicated. Everything else that you have to do to actually win money over the long term at gambling does become complicated. When you learn how to count cards and you do it uh, proficiently at blackjack, you're only if you have a 1% advantage, that's, that's a good situation. And so you, you can lose a, for a long time. But that's not necessarily such a bad thing. You know, if you're in a situation that they don't recognize that you're beating them, then they'll let you play for a long time. And so that was always kind of the holy grail of beating casinos. But then there's a whole nother level to it. Just like that Kenny Rogers song that's actually written by Don Schlitz, there's a certain experience required for gambling. If you bet too much, the odds are high that you're going to go broke, um, even, if you're, even if you're betting a winning game. I mean, if you're coin tossing with some casino and you're gonna win 51% of the time, well, if you bet all your money every time, pretty soon you're gonna go broke. But John and his friends never went broke, which was partially due to clever innovations like shoe computers. For a couple of years, we had hidden computers that we used with toe switches in our toes. A pretty impressive programming that some, some very talented friends of ours did to, uh, to make this work. That was, uh, that was very effective. And then that was eventually outlawed in, in 1985, but uh, it was a good run while it lasted. What do you think of this generic coding music? Pretty good, right? Anyway, John's run eventually ended when he got banned by almost every casino. I was had been banned from most of the casinos in Las Vegas. Now, Atlantic City, uh, the rules were such that they couldn't actually ban you, but they they would make it so that you couldn't win. They could take six decks. They could shuffle at every hand if they if they needed to. John tried everything from disguises to playing in other countries, but nothing really worked. 
sometimes you go out and you think you're going to play and you get all dressed and you're this and you drive over to a casino and it doesn't work. Or you get on an airplane and you go somewhere and you get kicked out right away. That's happened. Has one of these casinos ever tried to beat you up? Well, I had one bad incident with a casino. You know, it was New Year's Eve. It was the Imperial Palace in Las Vegas. And they had asked me to not play before, but you know, that was sort of also something you do is you sort of go back in at a different time, a different place. And I mean, I was at a table and they asked me to come with them and I didn't really want to, but I didn't really have any choice. You know, the attitude was that, uh, you know, someone that would be in there counting cards was cheating them out of their money and they wanted uh, they wanted money back. You know, this guy came out with the bolt cutters and he was talking about breaking off fingers and I was like hmm you know I don't think these guys would do that but I'm starting to get nervous I, I you know I was definitely threatened and eventually after a couple hours uh well I mean it was more than threatened that guy guy punched me out but I ended up uh, suing them and and and, uh, and winning a, a judgment or actually winning a settlement so that was maybe I don't know how many times I got kicked out of a casino 50 100 I don't know something in that range so that was the worst So after suing that casino, which might I add is technically beating the house, John went on to invest in a casino with a Native American tribe. How useful was your previous experience as a gambler in that? Truthfully, it didn't really translate that part. It translated well into the experience of being a trader in financial markets. It really didn't translate at all into actually being an operator of a casino because being an operator of a casino is about creating a customer experience. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I overestimated how useful my experience in dealing with casinos as a player might be to the experience of essentially being on the other side. Did you ever catch anyone counting cards? No, no. Well, we didn't have live games until, you know, well, well after I was... You know, casinos were loath to... Uh, run off a good customer because who knows what that guy might lose, right? So they're always going to give you the benefit of the doubt if they don't know you. Do you think it would be possible to do the same thing that you did nowadays? There's a whole other dynamic that didn't exist uh, when I was doing this. In 1980, you could pull out a giant wad of cash and it was just the way things happen in casinos. And now federal government is very concerned about money laundering, various other things. And so casinos are required to in case of large transactions, get identification. You know, if you go there and you have an entertainment budget, that's one thing. But if you actually think you're going to win and you're wrong, you could end up losing a lot of money that you didn't plan on losing. You know, I I left because it was time to move on and it was also more and more difficult to to play. But uh, certainly, you know, I I, I used the money that I made from that to, to start other businesses, so. It all worked out. Usually this is the part where I would go to a casino and try this out. But unfortunately, I'm underage in the U.S. And due to the coronavirus, it's impossible for me to go anywhere. However, if this podcast gets picked up for at least another two years, I promise you I will go to an actual casino, actually count cards, and tell you whether or not an average Joe like me can beat the house. So if you enjoyed this episode and want to hear me do that, make sure to share this podcast with all your friends. And as always, thanks for listening.
Things You Don't Need to Know is a Hyper Object and 3 Uncanny 4 production. The show is hosted and produced by myself, Ari Kagan, with help from Harry Nelson and Shane McCain. Nuna Sharafadine is our production manager. Our executive producers are Adam McKay, Laura Mayer, and Adam Davidson. The show is mixed by Nice Manners. If you like Things You Don't Need to Know, head over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts and hit subscribe. Also, if you leave a review, I will fly to your house and play a card game with you. Or you know you don't have the budget to fly to all these people's houses. Anyway, see you next week.